invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Bogos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. It will also appear on your screen in the course of the program. And now our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Hello and welcome again to Orthodox Christian Renewal. I want to thank you for joining me and I trust you will stay with me for the next half hour. I praise God for you. I want to share with you the things of God. I want to talk to you as to what God is doing today in this generation and the work of renewal that he's doing because that's the need of the church today. Revival, renewal, spiritual awakening. Everyone is admitting it. We can't make believe that the church does not need renewal. And God is doing a special work in the whole world today. He is pouring out His Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And that means... He is concerned, he loves all people, and especially is he concerned with his own household, in other words, the house of faith, his church. And he is doing a work of renewal uh, in all the churches, in all the denominations. He's touching and transforming the lives of Roman Catholics, of Orthodox Christians, and of Protestants. It's just wonderful. And he's also moving in his Holy Spirit in a wonderful way to restore the unity of the Christian world, to restore that apostolic power as well as that apostolic unity. In other words, God seeks to restore the apostolic church before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you. Before I go on with the message, I just want to express a few words of thanks to you for your support of this ministry because it means so much to me to know that you're out there, that you're praying for me, you're backing me up, and I appreciate receiving your letters. I want to ask you, to get the word around and tell everybody about this program. I'm an Orthodox priest, but I'm concerned with everyone. And God is concerned, and He loves everybody. He loves Catholics, Protestants, and Orthodox. And God is moving us together and lifting up that banner. And you know what that banner is? It's none other than 
the divine person of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's Jesus that's going to be returning in glory on the clouds someday. And the Holy Spirit is lifting up, the Spirit of the Lord is lifting up that standard, that banner in all the churches. It's an exciting move of God's Holy Spirit. And before I go on, I just want to ask you to continue to pray for this program. And I would like to express my appreciation in advance for sharing in this television outreach, an outreach that the Lord has made possible in his grace. And I just can't thank him enough. And I want to thank those that have really urged me and encouraged me in this outreach. I have already spoken uh, on a previous program concerning the inscrutable mystery of the incarnation of the Logos and of the Son of God, that God became man, that man might become God. And I spoke about how God wants to relate us, even in a physical dimension, with his Son, Jesus Christ, the new Adam, the progenitor of the new race, the founder of the new humanity. God relates us physically with him. And our union with Jesus Christ is tangible, physically. We are, we are physically related to the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke about the communion on a previous program, and I related it to the incarnation and how we enter into this tangible physical relationship, especially in that sacrament of the communion, the Eucharistic life. In other words, in that Eucharist, we actually live the incarnation because Jesus Christ is present in his body and in his blood. And Jesus said that unless a man eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, he has no life in him. So today, I would like to speak further on this subject. But I want to take you into another aspect of the Eucharistic life, uh, the, uh, the doctrine of the Holy Communion. Now, in some of our churches, there is an emphasis on the real presence in the Holy Communion. In other churches, the bread and the wine are considered as mere symbols. In, in other churches, as in the Orthodox Church and in the Catholic Church, the bread is believed to be the actual body of Christ. That God, in some mysterious, unfathomable way, transforms that bread into the body of Christ and transforms that wine in the cup into the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Orthodox Church, we teach that the bread and the wine is truly the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a mystery. I don't understand it, but we just stand on God's word that says, this is my body. Take, drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament. 
which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is fine, I believe, in the real presence. In some churches that is expressed with the term transubstantiation. Well, I don't think we need to enter into some kind of an analysis of this change or in some kind of a scholastic understanding of this Eucharistic mystery. I just leave it at that, that the bread is the body of Christ without trying to analyze it physically and in a material manner. But it has been a controversy since the Protestant Reformation and many Protestant churches have rejected the transubstantiation, the transformation, in other words, of the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And there has been somewhat of a controversy. It's been controversial through the ages. And uh, uh, however, in the charismatic renewal, in the Pentecostal renewal, I noticed something very wonderful that the Holy Spirit is leading even the Pentecostals into the belief that of the real presence, that the bread and the wine are truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, I have read Pentecostal writers that demonstrate this and that affirm it and declare it even more strongly than even some of our Orthodox theologians. It's fantastic. It, ama it really amazes me, really amazes me. But this is part of the end time move of God's Holy Spirit who is bringing the Christian world back into the fullness of the gospel, into the fullness of the faith, into the fullness of truth. But what I want to talk about today is this, that it is not enough to affirm that the bread and the wine are truly the body and blood of Christ. Now I know in my church, in the Orthodox Church, we make a big issue out of it, and very justly, very justly. However, it is very dangerous to content ourselves simply by emphasizing time and time again that, oh, that's, the, that's really the body of Christ. We're not like, you know, the Protestants out there. We really believe that this is the blood of Christ. We're Orthodox, and this is fine. This is fine, but it's not enough. That's what I want to point out. We don't go far enough when we say that. In other words, it doesn't do us much good when we just content ourselves with affirming that doctrine. In other words, I have seen many people in church who receive communion, and they really do not receive the full benefit of the communion. They don't understand everything about the communion. In other words, they're really not blessed. They don't receive the benefits from the communion. Why? Because it becomes a, just a religious routine for many people in the churches today. But Paul says, and I want to quote from uh, the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 26. First Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 26. He says, 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, ye do declare the Lord's death till he come. Till he come. The crucial word there is declare the death of the Lord. That's what the communion is all about. It's about the death of Jesus Christ. And what are we doing? We're demonstrating at the communion that yes, I believe, yes, I confess that Jesus Christ died for me, a sinner. And by taking of this bread and taking of this cup, I am declaring it. In other words, I'm showing forth this reality. I'm witnessing to this reality. So this way, the Eucharist, you see, becomes an experience of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is nothing else except the message of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the communion is something like a representation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a kind of a re-entering into that reality of the dying of Jesus, that Jesus died 2,000 years ago on uh, Calvary's cross. It's a historical reality. But we re-enter into that Calvary experience every time we are receiving of the Holy Communion, of the body of Christ, and of the communion cup. We need to have that awareness when we're in church. And the Orthodox, they go to the Divine Liturgy on Sunday mornings. So many of us go just out of, uh, just a formality. It's just out of habit. And we really don't know what we're doing. It's very, it's a real sin. It's a sin against God. We damage our soul when we're there in front of that communion and we're exposed to that mystery. And yet, we, we don't understand what's going on and we don't receive. We're not receptive. So once again, the communion declares the death of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to say, oh yes, you know, we're Orthodox and, and the, the, the communion cup there is the blood of Jesus, the real blood of Jesus. I'm asking you a question. What does that blood of Jesus mean to you? That's the point I want to bring across. It's not that it's really the blood of Christ. That's not only important, but why is it the blood of Jesus Christ? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Why is that communion cup the communion of the blood of Jesus? And how do you relate to that reality? It demonstrates that Jesus died for our sins. Are you aware of it? That's what I'm trying to say. You have that experience when you go to church on Sunday and you stand before that communion service? Are, are you engulfed? Uh, are you enveloped by that reality of the love of Jesus that was manifested on that cross 2,000 years ago? That he loved you so much that he spilled his blood on that, that rugged, old rugged cross 2,000 years ago? That he died, he didn't have to die. He's the Lamb of God. That he paid our sin debt on that cross. Like the Bible says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's what the communion is all about. It's a message of the gospel. It's the shedding of the blood of Jesus and the dying of Jesus. Because my beloved, if Jesus had not died on that cross 2,000 years ago, 
you and I would still be hell-bound. There would be no hope for us. And Jesus didn't simply suffer on that cross, but he actually surrendered his spirit to his Father. He expired. He died. He died on that cross. He gave up his life. He poured out his life as a sin offering to his Father for the expiation of our sins. Because it says there in the book of Hebrews 9.22, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Did you hear that? There is no forgiveness. You cannot be forgiven apart from the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is that precious blood that was spilled on the cross that made it possible for you to be forgiven and to be set free from the bondage of the devil. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So it is the blood sacrifice of Jesus that makes it possible for you and me to have any hope for eternal life. For, for any hope to be saved, to be saved from eternal condemnation, from eternal hell, from eternal hell. It's only because of what Jesus did there 2,000 years ago on that cross. It is the blood that was shed on that cross. Are you aware of that? When you stand during the divine liturgy, do you see Jesus on the cross? Can you see, can you see the blood flowing down from his brow, from his hands, from his feet? Can you see that opening in his side? and the blood flowing from the opening of his side. Yes, my beloved, that's the precious blood of Jesus that you are receiving in that communion cup. But remember why that precious blood is available. It's only because Jesus died. If he had not died, his precious blood would not have been available to you and for me. Now, I just want to mention that blood sacrifice is not something new in the Christian religion. But it is interesting and revealing that blood sacrifice is an element in all ancient religions. If you go back and study ancient religions, you'll find that there is blood sacrifice in all of them. Because somehow there is a universal need of humanity for atonement, for expiation. There is something deep down in human nature that says, I am not in a right relationship with my Creator, with God. There is a gulf separating me from God and I have to atone for my guilt, for my disobedience, you see. For my separation, I need to bridge over that gulf. And so, man from the beginning of time has striven to offer up, 
to his God a, the most perfect possible sacrifice to atone for his guilt, don't you see? To satisfy the justice of God. And we find this also in the Jewish religion in the Old Testament in a more developed, in a more uh, advanced form. Indeed, in a form that was revealed by God himself. And this is why God commanded the Jews to offer up sacrifices. And we find in the Old Testament, well, sacrifices go back as far back as Abel. When he offered up from uh, his flock a sacrifice to God. And remember when Noah offered up a sacrifice after the flood. And then we find Abraham offering up, remember that ram that was caught in the thicket just when he was ready to uh, offer up his very own son. And then we have the offering of the Passover lamb. When God commanded the Jews in Egypt to prepare the night before the exodus, to prepare by slaying a lamb and by collecting the blood of the lamb in a, in a basin and sprinkling the side posts of the doors of their homes with the blood of that lamb and the upper uh, post over the door with the blood of the lamb so that the uh, angel of death, the destroyer, would pass over that home that he would see sprinkled with the blood and that only the Egyptian families were visited by the destroyer, by the angel of death. Remember, that was the tenth plague that God visited upon the Egyptians. And the firstborn, male-born of every Egyptian family was smitten by this destroyer, by the angel of death. And the children of Israel were saved. They escaped death. And uh, they escaped this condemnation, this punishment. How? By the blood of the Passover lamb. So, the, the lamb that was slain, you see back there at the time of the Exodus, is a symbol and a type, a shadow of the Lamb of God that would come later with a new covenant. Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, the fulfillment of that Passover Lamb. Jesus Christ is our Passover, the Bible says. And we know that, it, that, that, that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross was offered up as a sin offering. In the Old Testament, uh, the Jews were commanded by God to offer up different animals, oxen and goats and sheep for various sins that they had committed so that they might be forgiven, that they might uh, receive uh, expiation for their sins. There's something about blood. In fact, I read here in uh, the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. It says, for it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. In fact, God commanded the Jews never to drink, to touch blood, to take it into their mouth. Ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. For the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. 
and whoever eateth of the blood be cut off. So the Jews were prohibited from taking blood of the animals into them, you see, of consuming blood. It was against the Jewish law, and they were punished for that. Why? Because the blood was the carrier, a bear of life, and life is sacred. It belonged to God in that sacrifice, and it was returned to God, and man had no right to receive of that life that was in the blood. But don't you see, now, in the New Covenant, wonderful, because now the Lord says the opposite. He says, drink of this, all of you. Isn't that fantastic? Now God commands you and me to receive of the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, Jesus says, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Remember that. So the blood of Jesus is the bearer of His life. And when we receive of that blood, then we receive His divine life and we are cleansed because the blood of Jesus, it says there, cleanseth us from all sin. Now I know in one major church, uh, the lay people are not given the communion cup. The communion cup is withheld from the laity. But I believe that in order to receive the fullness of salvation and the fullness of the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, we need to receive of the communion cup. Because once again, the blood is the carrier of that divine life. And if you want to share in the divine life of God, the child of God, you need to receive of that communion cup because Jesus said at the Last Supper, He said, drink of this, all of you. He didn't say drink of it only the ordained clergy, but He said all of you, and that's a commandment, and we need to remain in obedience to that commandment. So the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin, and it is impossible for the blood of goats and oxen to cleanse us and to save us. It's only in the precious blood uh, that was spilled on Calvary, that flowed on Calvary, that is able to cleanse us from our sins and is able to communicate to you and to me that divine life. My beloved, I'm asking you right now because I don't have much time left. Time is running out and I have to close very soon. Open your heart to Jesus, will you right now? And say these words with me, Lord Jesus, I confess and I believe that you are truly the Lamb of God. You died for my sins. You took my sins to the cross. Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my life as my personal Savior. I invite you, I accept you as my Redeemer, that you have taken my sins. I thank you, Jesus, and I glorify you for what you've done for me. Amen. God bless you. Until next time, may God's richest blessings be with you. I'll, we'll see you next time. We thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.